2: with you Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Be a great place to uh, watch conference championship games on Sunday. All of those TVs, they all will be tuned to the game, unless there's like another game of some sort going on. Maybe a basketball game might have that on one of the auxiliary televisions, but uh, the focus will be on the AFC and the NFC championship games on Sunday at the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. You can get in on the action for more information. Visit online pearlriverresort.com. Um, you can be a part of the conversation on the Seaspire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do, which is right here in Ceasefire country. Check them out, seaspire.com slash business. I have something important to talk about. I uh I fancy myself a bit of a connoisseur when it comes to fast food dessert especially of the pie variety. You know not for pie. a really for a really long time McDonald's has kind of had the market cornered on apple pies. Uh, they're just just for a long time. I know I think I know where you're going. I think I know where you're going. Well, I don't know if you do or not. Right, well, they please. made they made a change to the apple pie a few years ago, where instead of having kind of the solid top, it was more of like a, a home style apple pie. Where if you're watching on Seaspire TV, it's like the uh, the basket weave top uh, across it, latticed. Yeah, yeah, a lattice look across the top. Um, that wasn't my favorite change to the apple pie, but it's it's still edible. Still still quite good, especially if it's warm and not overcooked. Yeah, sometimes they get overcooked and they're a little dry and that's not good. It's gotta be cooked just properly. They've got that mostly figured out. They were out of apple pies one day, and I tried the strawberry cream pie at McDonald's, which was which was quite good. Uh mm. almost to the point, and, and it's got like a little like a little gap down the middle of it, so you can kind of see the strawberry and the cream, and yeah, you bite into it, and it starts to kind of ooze out a little bit. Really good addition to the dessert menu. Kind of a limited-time offering, though, not something that they have 365 days a year at, um, at McDonald's. The, the apple pie that they have at Crystal is good. It tends to be a little hotter than it should. It's like kind of a burn the roof of your mouth with the first bite when you do it. The problem with the apple pie from Crystal It's also maybe the best part of it is it's absolutely coated in like cinnamon sugar to the point that when you take a bite and then you look down into your lap, now you've got cinnamon sugar all over the place. (laughs) So close to the crystal apple pie has been the Popeye's apple pie. Similar in that it's a slightly thicker, crispier crust, but without the cinnamon sugar on the outside. It's good. But today, when I pulled through the drive-thru at Popeye's, I saw that there was a new pie option. And, brother, brother, that was a game-changer. The blueberry lemon cream pie at Popeye's. Ooh. Ooh, I am here to tell you two thumbs up, two thumbs way up. Hey, Dad, I, I got a message from a, a buddy of mine. Um mm-hmm. It was a week or so ago, and it came at like randomly. Let's see what time he sent it. It was at nine o'clock on a Wednesday night. This is a beautiful message. I just mentioned this in passing on the show one day. He said, man. I wish I had not heard you rave about how good the Heath Bar ice cream treat with brownie, caramel, chocolate, et cetera, from Dairy Queen was. I have had two in the last three days. They are incredible. I was like, sorry about it. They really <laughs> are so good. And he told me that his mother put Heath Bars in the freezer for uh, he and his, yeah. I guess, brothers and sisters as treats when he was a kid. Uh, he's like, you he got to use some self-control.
1: So, yeah. All right, you That's weren't going I got, where I, I thought. I just I thought you had discovered the the true king of fast food fried pies. I, I, I guess you haven't though. Jack's Jack's fried strawberry cream or strawberry cheesecake pie. Mm, okay, number one. We don't have a Jacks. Y'all have a Jacks in Oxford? No, we don't. Okay, yeah. The next time you're in a city with the Jacks, swing through and get you a pie. You, you'll you'll thank me later. Trying to think
2: if there's any other fast food dessert option that I've tried. Yeah, you know, t- sometimes people will do like the little donut nuggets thing. With, it. Nah, it nah, it's not really. Nah, it's not really it.
1: Nah, and yeah, milkshake. we're months away from a peach milkshake being available to you.
2: Yeah, those are those are good too. But again, fan, they need smoothie bad. straws. You, you need a smoothie straw oh, when yeah. Chick Fil A rolls out the peach milkshake because the peach chunks get. Stuck in the normal milkshake straw, it and it's maddeningly frustrating. Morky is looking at me right. going, Richard, I know you're not the largest human being, but you sound like a fat slob. Yeah, come on, right fatty?
3: Now. No, I'm, I'm kidding.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> it's great that I'm not the one leading this discussion. Yeah, well, yeah, you know. A bit of a public I'm just service. an auxiliary player.
3: This isn't a virtuous thing, because I eat like crap, just not... In this way, like I I don't, I can't tell you the last time I've had a dessert from a fast food place. I I can't tell you the last time. And again, that is not me being virtuous. It's just I, I I have my bad calorie intake elsewhere. For example, Mm -hmm. I had a coffee this morning that had like on the cup like six hundred and fifty calories on it. So that's kind of where I get my stuff. Is I'll get like, uh, like I got a, Uh. a king cake flavored. Like coffee thing Oof. with a bunch Oof. of stuff in it, and I loved it. That's kind of
2: I can't stand any kind of flavor in the coffee.
3: Like I want black coffee, and I, see, I'll drink black coffee too. I don't discriminate. It's just sometimes I'm feeling like, uh, yeah, I feel like getting fancy and a little sweet. No, I, mm. I, I don't, I don't judge people's coffee like orders because I have and enjoyed them all. You know, from from every scale, from the as black as you can get it, all the way up to. Bunch of cream and sugar and all the fancy stuff and I, I will drink it all. I am I am a coffee connoisseur now, mm. all thanks to having a kid because I hated it before.
1: Ah, there you go. There's only one way. Jason from Tupelo, Jason from Tupelo says Richard go down the road to Pontotoc. There's a Jax there. He says I am correct about the pie.
2: Uh, here we get We've had a couple of submissions of the Burger King Hershey chocolate
1: pie. Is uh, is really good. We have to give. Yeah, it's that like the. F- that's like the pies you get in the frozen food section. The, the, oh, like the, it comes in the little like triangle cardboard
2: thing. Yeah, actually. yeah,
1: it's actually a pie. It's not a fried pie.
2: Yeah, the apple pie at Burger King was okay, but I mean, it was like you had to. There were little now, perforated edges on the sides, and you had to peel the two of those and then fold it back and eat
1: it with a fork. It was just, it was, it was a lot of trouble. Did I, did I tell you we stopped for fried pies on the way home from St. Louis? You did. The original fried pie store in Sykeston, Missouri. Yeah, I just. You ever up that way, Richard? You stop and get you a fried pie.
2: I understand, and, and I know this sounds like sacrilege to some, but I'm uh, I'm not the biggest gas station fried pies guy because usually they're wrapped it's not, not saran a gas station, wrapped, and they're old
1: and they're no no okay. No, no okay. It's it's, a, it's an actual fried pie store. No, it's connected to a gas station. Well, of course it is. But, but Thank, it's, I, you know, and thanks to all of you who meet. are
2: alerting me to uh, all of the Jacks locations in North Mississippi, we <laughs> gotten. Uh, Batesville, Tupelo, Pontotoc, loving this, man. Mike in Grand Bay suggests that that uh, the, the cherry pie at McDonald's was good. I, Mike, I like it cherries. was good. I love cherry cheesecake. I was not a. I, I just one hundred times out of a hundred, I would have chosen the apple pie over the cherry pie at McDonald's.
1: See, I like cherry better. Really, I love cherry pie. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
3: Uh,
2: so, yeah, that's uh, that's what I got to uh, start things off today. Uh, it's not a food Friday. It's just a random Thursday afternoon. Um, Dwayne and Brandon says, uh, I'll be like the guy yesterday. We're going to do sports today. Yeah, we're going to do sports today. There was a... Um, like I
1: said, competitive eating is a sport.
3: Yeah, you want to see what Joey Chestnut's net worth is, buddy? That is a sport.
1: It's up there. Mm. Oh, He's I it like in my life.
3: Millions.
2: You guys are about to stop and make me get some apple pies. I hear you. Do it. Ooh, ooh, what is this? James says that uh, cherry pies are bad luck on oil rigs. Hmm. Why? I don't... I, I, I need more explanation than that, James.
1: Let me see if I can look that one up. Yeah.
2: Oh, here, now we just turned a corner. Australian meat pies with tomato sauce, not ketchup. Ah, no, I'm not a meat pie guy. I mean, I'll eat them, but no.
3: Apparently, different sweets According to Google, it's unclear where it started, but also, uh, chicken with bones in it apparently is another superstition. Again, this is according to Google.
1: Boneless wings only on the oil rig. Again, apparently, would never
2: have guessed. F- final thing on the pie conversation: different type of pie. Are you a uh, are you a pie or a cake guy? Given the option, pie pie or cake? Pie. Pie. I mean, good fudge pie that is warm with a scoop of vanilla ice cream on the top of it is just unbeatable. And cheesecake is a pie. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Generally speaking. Generally speaking. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll do sports next.
0: This is Sports Talk. Is sports Talk, Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say, sports fans. Now here's more on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: You know, you never know exactly what's going to strike a chord. Apparently, we struck a chord right out of the
3: gate. Sports talk, hippie. If, if dessert doesn't strike a chord with people, then I don't want those people listening to us. I don't anyway. want to be
1: friends with the people who dessert doesn't strike a chord with. Exactly.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. Let's see here. The next time you're passing through Grenada, stop at Spencer's for a milkshake. They have any kind you can think of. They even have big straws so that the fruit doesn't get stuck. Okay, that's how it should be. Spencer's in Grenada. Tried the uh, the Dr Pepper shake at Whataburger. It's a killer shake, guys. Hard not to get one when I pass the Whataburger restaurants. I don't know that that would be very high on my list. Uh, strawberry cream cheese is very good. Yeah, it is. The best mm-hmm. fried pies are at Tom's right off of Highway 49 in
3: Richland. I, I drive by it all the time, and I've always wanted to stop, never have. I guess I got to. Uh, here's another one. Tom's fried pies in Richland
2: is amazing. That's from Dwayne and Brandon. they uh, said that the, the cherries represent blood on the rig, and so it's bad luck. Fair enough. Ed in Oxford says, I'm literally leaving work now to go get a dessert.
1: Don't tell... Hello, potential advertisers, are you listening? We got somebody to leave work just by talking about fried pies. to go get a fried pie. That could be your business. Heydad at supertalk.fm. You're stealing my gimmick. There's a lot not of that exa- that goes I, on around here. It's stolen. It's stolen right <laughs> here. I stole it
2: uh, In broad daylight. D. Jones on the C Spire text line, not exactly fast food, but if you ever come to Biloxi, Le Bakery turnover and avocado boba tea?
1: For real? Le Bakery. We will
4: real pay homage bakery. to it.
2: Uh, here's one. Ken in Ellisville, Subway cookies are great if they are not overcooked. I told him I detected them right out of the oven, text.
1: Yeah. Right out of the oven, fantastic.
2: I don't know if, if there's... I guess they're still around. The Otis Spunkmeyer cookies when they were warm always yeah, good as yeah. well.
1: Oh,
2: I, yeah. hey, how about this? Shoney's strawberry pie back in the old days. You know, hey Dad gives it a thumbs up. I didn't love Very the good. crust. They looked yeah. so good on the menu, but I thought the, uh, the actual dessert kind of under-delivered.
1: Now, they were good, but the goat Shoney's dessert is the hot fudge cake. No doubt. I mean, there's no question. No doubt. A couple of others, and then we'll move on.
2: Mike says, I prefer pie to cake, but I prefer cobbler over pie. Cobbler is good. Cobbler is good. Um, <laughs> Mrs. Fields cookies are hot garbage. Those are the ones that come prepackaged, right?
1: Yeah, we don't want those.
2: Tim and Jackson, y'all are killing me," says the fat guy on a low carb diet. Oh, I know, I, I know what I was going to mention. I, I saw this one a second ago and then lost it. Somebody said that they would have to go with the um, strawberry upside or the uh, pineapple upside down cake, which made me think about yesterday. Jane and I went to lunch, and uh, sitting on the counter at the uh, the lunch spot we went to was a big cake. They had cream cheese icing on the top. I was like, what kind of cake you got there? I said it's a pineapple cake. Came from Westside in New Albany. I thought it's that I had upside sampled. down cake,
1: just a pineapple cake.
2: It was a pineapple cake. So think about okay. the cakes that Westside Bakery does in New Albany. If you're not familiar with those, same same type they do at Nukes. Nukes used to get their pies from Westside or cakes from Westside and then they started making them on their own. I thought that I had tried all of the cakes that Westside had to make. Strawberry cake absolutely fantastic. Caramel cake, spectacular. The um, uh, the the red velvet cake, really really good. The chocolate on chocolate, if that's your thing, chocolate on chocolate's good. I had not had the pineapple cake. The first bite, I wasn't sure. I was like, hmm, kind of got different flavor going on there, and then I basically licked the plate. I didn't literally lick the plate, but I had just enough icing at the end to put a little bit of icing kind of through the grooves in the fork, and then drag the fork across the plate to get yes. the random crumbs yes. and get that last bite. So yes, yes, I am, I am on board with the pineapple cake
1: from Westside. Okay, <laughs> okay, best cake in town in Starville Spotlight Cafe. I'm now I'm done. Somebody else said that as well. Very good. I did. All right. It was me. Oh, is that you that... uh, I got you. (laughs) That was replying to Chase, yeah. There you go.
2: Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Uh, Chase in Columbus says, Cakes versus pie. Now, this is the Sports Talk show debate that I am on board with on a Thursday.
1: We could do a Mount Rushmore of pies. I think Richard (laughs) might actually get on board with that.
3: Maybe... No, Maybe. I, I still pride myself on our summer content, no, never Rushmore. featuring a Mount Rushmore. So we got to pick some other monument.
2: Yes. It's right. never in the history of Sports Talk Mississippi have we done a Mount Rushmore.
3: Uh, K.J.
2: Wright is going to join us this afternoon. Former Mississippi State Bulldog, former star in the NFL. K.J. Wright will uh, be on the radio with us on the Farm Bureau guest line a little bit later on. And, hoping to get a conversation
3: in with Ryan Brown this afternoon. Yeah, the only hang-up is, uh, I don't know if he wants me telling his secrets, but he's getting uh, the security system either installed or or maintenance or whatever, and they gave him a four-hour window. We'll come at some point in this window. And he said, of course, (laughs) the times you gave me are going to be when they show up. So that's that's the only hang-up there. But it's literally 4 to 8 o'clock at night. We'll be there at some point. You know, you, you don't have kids, you don't have a wife, you don't have a job. Just we'll be there in this four-hour window.
1: I'm going to pay you in a window too, yeah, between the <laughs> 17th and the and September. Yeah. Basketball last night in Tuscaloosa.
2: That was a uh, that was an interesting basketball game, and and I, I, like genuinely, I watched almost the entire game last night. And hey, Dad, I have I've pushed back a little bit, a little bit on you when you have suggested that, yeah, this team's worth continuing to watch. Maybe seeing some signs of improvement. Schedule's been really difficult. All those things are true, and yet you are what your record says you are, and the record for Mississippi State in the SEC is one and seven. That's the bottom line. That looked to me last night like a basketball team, that is going to win some games in the second half of the SEC play. Mm -hmm. Mississippi State made some shots last night. They didn't light the world on fire. They had some scoring droughts that were mixed in. Some of the things that Richard Williams told us to look for yesterday absolutely came to fruition. But Alabama didn't make shots the way they do a lot of the time. If you took Dad's advice and you were on the under, you were a winner once again. Once again, you you were able to cash a check at the window. So, what did you guys think of Mississippi State last night? Packed house at Coleman Coliseum, that has turned into a tough place to play, primarily because of the team that Alabama is putting on the floor. Credit to Alabama, undefeated in league play, number two in the country, found a way to get it done. Right, They uh, they were down double digits for a pretty significant part of the game. Every time it looked like Alabama, especially late first half, early second half, every time it looked like they were putting together a run, Mississippi State would make a play. They would either make a shot, they would come up with a steal to, to kind of slow things down a little bit. Mississippi State did everything last night except win that basketball game. What'd you guys think watching it?
1: I thought that state played well enough to beat all but about maybe five teams in the country last night. You know, they, they wouldn't have beaten anybody in the top five. Everybody else they could have they could have taken that game against. Um, obviously, you know, you, you talk about making shots. State shot forty six percent for the game. I mean, yeah. without looking, that's probably the best they've shot in SEC play. This year, but the difference was they shot over fifty percent in the first half and under forty percent in the second half, and they they went through that dry spell. They were one of ten at one point, and that uh, that's when Alabama was able to get back into the lead and get get the momentum and sort of go from there. But I will say this, and I and I really believe it, that a state can play that kind of game Saturday against TCU. They're going to walk off the court with a win. I, I really saw. believe that, and and if they can do that, I look their net today is fifty nine. It actually went up from from losing that game to Alabama. Um, if they beat the number uh, TCU I think is 11th net, if they win that game they're going to be low 50s, high 40s. They're going to be right back in the mix. And then it's just going to be a question of can they find the wins to, to right now they're 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 on the bubble by their fingernails. They they are about to fall off, but they can get back into that discussion with some wins.
2: And and when you say bubble, they are in the barely hanging on to the yeah. teams the,
1: the third group of four out maybe
2: yeah i mean it's it's teams under consideration that is the that's the category right. that right. joe Lenardi uses and they are at the back end of teams under consideration probably going to have to get to 9 and 9 in the league probably we'll talk more about it next sports talk mississippi
0: Sports Talk Mississippi your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let
4: me put it to you this way.
0: Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mm-hmm.
3: Talk
2: Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. I got a message on Twitter last night. It was a uh, Mississippi State fan that I think was not um, entirely pleased with the officiating last night. He says, Richard Cross, make shots, win games, you say, but what if you make shots and Alabama's refs screw you? What do you do then? Mississippi State had a better overall shooting percentage last night. A better three-point shooting percentage, though marginally. They were not as good at the free-throw line, and they were out-rebounded. So, when you kind of look at the way the scoring went last night, Brandon Miller for Alabama had a quiet 13 points. Noah Clowney had 13 points on three of 10 shooting and was 0 of 6 from behind the arc. Mark Sears... Did not have a good game. Four points on one of seven shooting. Jaden Bradley, the other starter, scored four points on two of seven shooting. Shooting. And Charles Bediaco was completely taken out of the game last night. Bediaco played only 13 minutes. He had four personal fouls. He had three rebounds and no points. Then Javon Quinterly off the bench had 14 last night for uh, for Alabama. Mississippi State did a really good job defensively against Alabama. You look at Mississippi State, you got 15 points and seven rebounds from Tolu Smith, and he was three of five from the free throw line. Deshaun Davis had 14 points and was five of five at the line. Those were the only two double-figure scorers for Mississippi State. I thought Smith-Davis... DJ Jeffries and Cam Matthews all looked incredibly athletic. I mean, just absolutely looked like they belonged last night. Now, hey, Dad, this is going to trigger you, so I'm going to do it. Bowen Indianola, it's going to trigger you. He says no credit to I State. Read it. Alabama showed up, slept, walked through the game. You could give Mississippi State a trophy for effort.
1: Uh, okay. uh, so I'm sorry you couldn't watch the game working the late shift at the gas station, but uh, you know that's oh. not that's just not accurate. I mean Alabama played pretty well. State just played good defensively in that game.
2: I would disagree with the first part of what you said, and would agree with the second part and say part well, of the. I thought Alabama. Part
1: Alabama made the shots when they had to make them. But State state got, did well defensively the whole game, I thought. I mean, they held a hey, team that averages 80 points a game to 66.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. To me, the, here, here's the thing, right? You, your chance to beat Alabama is to play defense that is so good that it takes them out of what they do well, which is shoot the three and get to the rim, or catch them on an off-shooting night. And it may have been a combination of those two things last night. Because Alabama goes 5 of 28 from 3. They shoot 37% from the game and 18% from 3. Honestly, the difference... The three, 3 is the most surprising. One. Yes, no doubt. Alabama made 19 free throws. Mississippi State
1: attempted 12. That's the difference in the game. There's a the difference and in the game. Wait, you want to put that put that on the on poor officiating or not I, I, don't, I don't want to get into that but that's the difference in the game is is that Alabama was able to get to the line especially early i think they were in the bonus with like 11 minutes to go in the second half i mean at that yep. point i mean every time you foul you're putting them on the line and then that's that's just and they, they and then on top of that they're hitting the free throws 19 of 22
2: yep um I know all in all, a pretty good performance last night for Mississippi State. Here's the thing, hey, Mm -hmm. that concerns me about what you were saying. You know, if you can kind of get it going and you win some games, net and all of those things. Thought Mississippi State shot it better last night than they are a shooting team. Like, I don't know if we're going to see Mississippi State shoot 46% on a regular basis. Right and behind the three point line was you know not great, twenty percent. They're going to have to play at the level on both ends of the floor that they did last night if they're going to win those games that you're talking about.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, no, no and, question about that. I mean, yeah, more consistency. Yeah. You know, better better shots. Now, like I said, in the first half, I mean, they were getting not only shots but good looks. They were they were consistently around the rim. They hit a few threes, obviously, just a couple, but. For the most part, they were getting, and it goes back to that Auburn game we talked about a few weeks ago, they were getting dunks and layups and, and looks inside the paint. And when State can do that, and Tolu Smith, he played. Something happened with Tolu, by the way. I, I, he got some motivation from, from Chris Jans or something because uh, Jans pulled him out after a, a couple of, of misses, put McNair in. McNair hit a couple of shots, and either, either Tolu took that as, I need to go out there and reclaim my job. Or Jan said something to him because he played a really good basketball the rest of the way. That's a huge departure from you know the first game against Alabama, where Tolu was just awful, for lack of a better word. So they got to find a way to replicate that effort, and in, in reality, maybe even be better than that a couple of times this year uh, in these in these remaining games. If they can do that, they have a chance to get some wins. If they can't, every every step of the way is just going to be painful.
2: The idea of getting into the NCAA tournament is a long shot. It's a long
1: shot. Very long, but very long. I mean, it's not impossible. You're looking at a team. Well, you're looking at a team that you just a couple weeks ago their RPI was in the teens, right? And now it's it's you know, uh, what like six weeks later it's in the 60s, and you know, there's probably no chance for them. Oh wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was looking at Ole Miss's RPI for baseball. That's my bad. My bad. It can be done. It can be done. They just got to start finding wins. Don't write them off just yet. Now, if they lose next week, they lose to South Carolina, they lose to LSU, write them off. It's over at that point. But as they said today, they're, they're on the faintest outskirt about to fly off the bubble, but they're still on there.
2: Jason says, State has played number 2 Alabama close twice now. It's not an accident. This team isn't far off, and anyone who can't see that either doesn't know what they're watching or they just want to hear themselves whine. Some truth to that. There is. Uh, Here we go. This is Allen, an Alabama fan. Alabama played not very well at all, but give credit to Mississippi State. I watched the whole game. Mississippi State played their butts off. And what was making me mad is Alabama couldn't even get the ball in on out-of-bounds plays because they were standing around like everything's going to be handed to them. So I give Mississippi State credit. Alabama should have lost that game, believe it or not, in my eyes.
1: Probably should have. The, the I mean, they made, they made thought, the shots when they had to make them, though. That's maybe. I give them credit for that.
2: Yeah, and I, that's a sign of a, of a really good team, right? You cannot play your yeah. best, and you cannot play your best for 32, 35 minutes, but then... You keep it in striking distance even when you're not playing your best, and then you make some critical shots at the end. That's what Alabama did. Hey, Dad, I, I thought one of the things that Mississippi State did exceptionally well last night was move without the basketball. and the, mm-hmm. Some of the cuts to the rim and the ability to they got some find really easy guys looks cutting going, to the rim made it really good, mm-hmm. made it look really good. Yeah.
1: And this goes back to something I keep saying about Jans is that, you know, Jans is doing everything as far as coaching to get these guys in position to get open looks. State gets a lot of open looks. They're not executing. They're not making those shots, and there's just nothing you can do about that. That's why I have some some hope not only for this year but for, for the next few years with Jans because it's obvious the coaching is improved, the effort is improved with Mississippi State. It's just a question of getting some players in there that can execute and make those open shots when they get the looks.
2: From the 205, I think it's a Birmingham area code, or at least was at one point, kicking myself in the butt for not trusting Dad and betting the under.
1: Bet the under. Guys, bet it. I, I texted Richard as soon as the game ended. Just said, take the under. He sure did.
2: He absolutely did. Here's one more. Credit Bama's defense, but it seems to me that Jans can draw up better plays on the final possession to put them in a better position to win or at least tie for overtime. Same thing happened in the Florida game the other night.
1: Well, the Florida game, he didn't call timeout. He just let them come down the, the, the floor, and I thought they got a couple of good looks. They just didn't execute. The, out of this one, I mean, sort of the same thing, right? They, they, it's just, yeah, he didn't call timeout. Bama uh, misses the shot, State gets the stop, and they just came down the floor. So it's not that he's getting a timeout. He's not calling a timeout. And I asked him about that in the press conference after the Florida game. He said, you know, if there's only three, four seconds left, I'll call timeout because we probably do need to draw something out. But 12, 13 seconds left, that's plenty of time to get down the court. But the dif- the defense is still going to be scrambling a little bit. I like our chances there. State didn't get a good look against Alabama. They did get a good look against Florida, they just didn't convert.
2: Sports Talk, Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. We've got more coming up with you after this.
0: Mississippi covering your favorite teams like no one else on the Super Talk app, Supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station.
3: Oh you gonna take me home tonight? Oh down beside the
4: To make the rockin' world
2: go round. Hey, I was just a silly, Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. So the Mississippi State-Alabama game was one of four last night in the SEC. If you were wagering... You made your money betting the favorites in the early games and the underdog in the late games. If you happen to flip that around, or maybe you didn't participate in both sides of the evening, well, you uh, you, you went to sleep disappointed last night. In the two early games, Tennessee by twenty nine over Georgia, seventy to forty one, and Florida by twenty one over South Carolina, eighty one to sixty. In the late games, we talked about Mississippi State and Alabama. Anybody have uh, Texas A&M up 15 at the half at Auburn? No, That's I what you had well. last night. It was 45-30 to at the half, and Texas A&M won 79-63. Auburn was undefeated at home. They had one SEC loss prior to the game. I'm actually interested. I've got the Texas A&M Vanderbilt game uh, on Saturday, and I'm really interested to see this A&M team in person. Because if you go back to the beginning of the year, they had back-to-back losses to Murray State and Colorado in non-conference play. They lost to Boise State, they lost to Memphis, and they lost to Wofford. Their only loss since that game against Wofford is to Kentucky on the road last week. And they just had their most impressive win of the season on the road against Auburn last night. This is a Texas A&M team that in terms of the resume feels a lot like Texas A&M did last year. And Texas A&M, you may remember, was really frustrated they didn't get in the NCAA tournament because of the way they finished. But to some degree, the the entire season counts. It does feel like that A&M has kind of shifted it into gear a little faster this year. Than they did a year ago. Only one loss in league play. They're six and one in uh, in conference play. So right now, in in terms of the SEC standings, you got Alabama at eight and zero, Tennessee at seven and one, Texas A and M at six and one, Auburn at six and two, Kentucky and Florida are both five and three. Missouri's four and four. Georgia and Vanderbilt are both three and four. Arkansas's three-and five. They've won two in a row. And then you got four one-win teams. South Carolina, Mississippi State, LSU, and Ole Miss all have one win. South Carolina's came against Kentucky. Mississippi State's came against Ole Miss. Ole Miss's came against South Carolina. LSU's came against
1: uh was it? They beat Arkansas, didn't they?
2: They beat Arkansas. That's the first to week start of conference play. play.
3: You're exactly
1: right yeah. by
2: 3.
3: How's uh Kim Mulkey doing down there? I remember her?
2: Yeah, her you're son played shortstop I think at uh at LSU.
1: Yeah, that doesn't sound right.
3: Should I say this? Yeah. I, it's fine. When you're watching an LSU baseball game, Who at all in the audience watching that game cares about the Baylor women's basketball coach being in attendance? At what point? I mean, why don't you just go down the whole roster and talk about what Johnny's mom does too? It's probably just as cool as Kim Mulkey. Like, I never understood that. It's like, yeah, that's the Baylor women's basketball. Great. Like, how many times do you have to reference that during the game? That's a nice little quirk, but it's not like that's... I, uh, I mean, she won three national championships. That's, that's awesome. That's great. It really is. But I, I mean, that's a long time ago, Borky. You're still angry about this. I'm not angry. It's just every time they, they showed her five times a game, it's like, okay, I get it. Kim Mulkey's there. That's awesome. Who,
2: who was it that brought her up this year to this conversation? Was it Hey Dad? Was it you that asked how Kim Mulkey's doing? Or was that Borky? How Borky did that? I? I mean.
3: I, Did it for a reason. This reason. It's not like Brie Larson was hanging out in Red Stick, you know. I mean,
2: you know they're twenty and O.
3: That that's awesome. Like great,
1: really good, yeah,
3: yeah. And to use her words, if you don't want to send your daughter to Baylor, you should be punched in the face. So, you know, congrats on that. It's probably the attitude you want from your basketball coach the attitude you want from your linebackers coach yeah or a boxer
2: yeah or your women's basketball coach I suppose apparently 20-0 is pretty good uh,
3: it's
2: great Uh, we should see if we can get her on as a guest Borky and then let you do the interview
3: I really have no interest in speaking to her
2: You can be part of the conversation on the C Spire Text Line, 601-879-4395. Did y'all know that Devontae Shuler played AAU ball with Zion Williamson and John Moranth? And he was the best on the team, remember? Did you know that John Rice Pumley plays the piano? (laughs) We'll be back. To the
0: sports.
2: (laughs) This is Sports Talk, Mississippi.
0: Sounds good. On Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Welcome back, 4 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Thanks, as always, for being with us. Let's begin this 4 o'clock hour on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. On your radio right now, former Mississippi State legend, former Seattle Seahawk legend, K.J. Wright. And we got a lot to get to with KJ Wright, a man who played in a couple of Super Bowls. He's got a Super Bowl ring, but I have a really important question, KJ. As we start this, mm-hmm. I'm curious: Did you ever get those heated floors and that heated toilet seat that you <laughs> wanted?
4: Uh, I, 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 I think you watched my House Hunters episode. <laughs> Absolutely, KJ Wright,
2: big balling in Seattle, House Hunters on HGTV. <laughs> he settled
4: for the house that didn't have the heated toilet seat. Like, to this day, every time I get out the shower, my feet are freezing, and when I use the bathroom, I'm cold. I do not have those heated floors nor heated toilet seats. It's, um, it's, it's a shame that I didn't get that done. But I plan on it. My next house is mandatory. When I move into my next house, it is mandatory that I have that done.
2: K.J., you know NFL contracts are public. I think you can afford heated floors in the next house if you want to do that.
4: <laughs> yeah, and I invested wisely. I saved my money. I, I have the funds. It's just a matter of getting it done. I'm cheap at I'm cheap at heart, you know. I'm I'm really a frugal young young man, and so but I got to invest in and in, um into my bathroom next next time I get a house.
2: There you go. I, I don't think you'll regret that when it's all said and done. Hey, man, we really appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Let's talk briefly about your journey. Uh A, a Mississippi kid growing up from uh, from DeSoto County in Olive Branch, and you go to Mississippi State, you have a great career there, you have the career in the NFL, and, and I love the way that mm-hmm. it ended last year where you're able to go back home to Seattle, you sign that one-day contract, and you get to retire a Seattle Seahawk. Could you have ever imagined any of this?
4: Oh, not at all. It's funny you ask, but because this year, uh, well, last year, I took my dad to Alaska, and we went on a fishing trip, and we were just sitting there, just hanging out, and I was like, Dad, could you have ever imagine that when I was in high school that I would have these type of accomplishments and have this type of impact on people? And my dad said, who's has with me every step of the way, he said, I could have never imagined this. I mean, you just look at what I did in high school, you know, three, four, you know, all state graduate from Mississippi State, go to Pro Bowls, go to Super Bowls, Seahawks, man, of the year. There's just so many things that I accomplished, man. and um, It's just a testament to my family, just a testament to myself staying focused in high school and college and overcoming injuries and um, just staying the courts, man. And so... I'm just truly thankful for everything that I accomplished in my NFL and college career, and um, this next phase, as I'm retiring, is going to be even more special as I do more great things in, in the world. And so, uh, I'm just truly thankful and blessed. I'm really just getting started.
2: KJ, you you said something in there that stood out to me. I mean, you got a Super Bowl ring, you played in a couple of them, you had an unbelievable career. But but you mentioned in in what you were saying there, Seahawks Man of the Year. People know about the Walter Payton Man of the Year award, and I'm not sure that that maybe the the regular fan realizes how big a deal that is it, in terms of your accomplishments being named Seahawks man of the year is, is that is that kind of toward the top
4: absolutely i would say it's the top 5 of things that i've done done and um it c then crazy when it came to me, it came at a very low moment in my life because I suffered pretty much a season ending knee injury and um but it just goes to show you that hey, K J football is important but the impact you make in your community, what you give back to those around you is just as important and so that year, I had um, built water wells in Kenya. I went on a, a guy's trip to Kenya, and then I noticed that this young girl had some dirty brown water, and I was like, what, what the heck is going on here? And so they said that the young ladies are responsible for going to get that water, and when they get back and dirty, I said, we got to get this fixed. And so that was just one of the, the many things that I've done throughout my NFL career and just having football camps and got my foundation going. And so the list goes on and on. And so as I retire, I have more time to do more things in my community.
2: KJ, let's talk about football for a second, and uh, and what the guys you, you got four teams that are still standing right now. What is the mindset this week in preparation for the AFC and the NFC championship games? And then I want to ask you in a second af- after we go through that, how this week differs from getting ready for a Super Bowl. But but this week in particular, when you're one win away yep. from getting to the pinnacle of football in the Super Bowl, what's it like from a preparation standpoint this week?
4: This week is so exciting. You just realize you have one more game to go before you get to the big dance. And there's just one opponent standing in front of you. And so this week is fun. It's energetic. It's a combination of calmness. But you're antsy at the same time. Like, man, I'm just ready to get on the football field to get to the Super Bowl. And so my, my, the matchup I'm really excited to look forward to is this Philadelphia Eagles-San Francisco game. I mean, this is going to be this is my Super Bowl. I believe this game is going to be phenomenal. You have two really great defenses, two really exciting offenses, um, a young quarterback in Brock Purdy, a vet and Jalen Hurts. This is going to be so fun and exciting to watch. But I tell you, man, to be in this moment twice in my NFL career, it's kind of, it's kind. I gonna say it's better than the Super Bowl, but it's right up there as far as the intensity goes.
2: Help us understand how impressed we should be with what Brock Purdy has done. He wasn't even the backup, right? He was a rookie who was the third string quarterback. It was yeah. Trey Lance's team, and then it was Jimmy Garoppolo's team, and then he comes in and he's just steady and doesn't make mistakes, and now has yep. San Francisco in this position. How impressed should we be with that?
4: I mean, here, I'll say this about Brock Purdy. What he has going on for him is that his surrounding cast is phenomenal. I believe it starts with Kyle Shanahan, the, the play caller. When you look at what he's asking Brock Purdy, he is not asking him to do much. We're going to run this football. We're going to give you about 40 runs a game. And uh, what we're going to do is when we do run this ball, I'm going to draw up some guys that are wide open. You just deliver the ball to him. And so he's not asking Brock Purdy to do too much. Then on the other side of the ball, he has a great defense. We're going to keep this score low. They're going to create turnovers. They're going to give you more opportunities, and so he is doing a phenomenal job. But to say that you know, you know, compare him to the next best thing? Nah, we need to see a complete season of him to say, "Hey, Brock Purdy is a really good quarterback," and Brock Purdy has arrived, and so he is executing the offense at a high level. But when you have Debo same Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, you know, it, it, they make life easy for you.
2: How does this San Francisco defense compare to the Legion of Boom? Ooh,
4: man, i I seen these guys when they came up to Seattle up close and personal. And um, I don't like comparing people to my Legion of Boom guys. Cause we were <laughs> I'm sure there you don't. Just, but, 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 but I'm telling you, these guys, they're they are close. They're really close. And I believe if they get a Super Bowl, they will be in that conversation because I watched these guys, obviously, up front, led by Nick Bosa. He's a defensive player of the year. He's just a human wrecking ball. The way he defends the run, get after the quarterback. But my favorite guys is Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, just watching them play the linebacker position. Anytime you gain two or three yards on these guys, they're pissed off and they're mad that you even got that much. And so I just love what I see out of these guys. D'Amico Ryan should be a head coach next year. And so these guys are fast, they're physical, they create turnovers, and they score on defense.
2: How want to ask you about another linebacker in the NFL. Your, your, your career is only overlapped by a year. Patrick Willis uh, did not play the game nearly as long as, as some people do, didn't play it as long as you did. He is a Hall of Fame candidate. Is Patrick Willis a Hall of Famer?
4: Absolutely. First ballot. You, you, really? believe, you go back to his old Miss days, um, number 49 ran that big block on his hand when he had broke his <laughs> hand, and just um, the just a bona fide playmaker. He he recreated that position, like 6'4", 250 pounds, runs faster than a deer, runs downhill, makes plays all over the field. And so one of my favorite guys to watch, I went each and every offseason, and I studied number 52 for the San Francisco 49ers. He's just someone that I always admired. You know, played in the SEC, grew up in, in Tennessee, and just the guy that um, when you want to learn how to play linebacker, he's got top 10 that you should watch when it comes to watching film on him. Phenomenal I know, player.
2: I, I know you gravitated to that NFC game, and I get it, but take me to Arrowhead for a second. People are calling it Burrowhead because Joe Burrow hasn't lost there. You've got the young guy, so much swagger. you got Patrick Mahomes, maybe the most dynamic player in the league. What do you see when you look at that AFC title game?
4: It's <clears throat> match is going to be fun as well. Anytime you go into Arrowhead, it's going to be a battle. I mean, those fans are passionate. It's loud. It's always packed. And uh, facing Patrick Mahomes is not easy. When I, could, when I look at that offense, I play, obviously, plenty of offenses. This offense was the hardest to stop because they don't run traditional football. It's essentially kind of like backyard football. They just draw up stuff, and you're like, what the heck was that? And so I look at Patrick Mahomes in this matchup, I don't really like him that much because his ankle. I know that they say he's a full participant in practice, but we all know that a high, high ankle sprain you're going to struggle a little bit. And so when he makes most of his plays, it's usually scrambling. Um, you know, when he gets out of the pocket, make throws downfield. And so um, this is Joe Burrow, man. He's just a really special guy. Um, having a phenomenal season, it's kind of going under the radar. So talk about him for being offensive player of the year or MVP. And so I got the Bengals in this game. I know it's going to be hard. But Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, I believe they're going to get it done.
2: All right, so the Super Bowl matchup is what? Bengals against who's getting it done in the NFC?
4: I got the Eagles. (laughs) I got got Philly. They're they're making it look really easy, you know, leading the league with 70 sacks. Um, They've only lost three games, and two of those games, Jalen Hurts was injured. And so um, I I like the Niners, but I believe that Brock Purdy's his his rookiness is going to have an effect this game. And So give me the Eagles versus the um, the Bengals and call me next week and we we'll uh, to see who, who will going win the Super Bowl. All right, we're going to hold you to it.
2: I've enjoyed this conversation as much as any interview we've done in a long time. KJ, thanks so much for your time. Have a great weekend. No doubt. Thank you. That's KJ Wright on the Farm Bureau guest line.
0: Now Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. (laughs) On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: A tip of the cap to Michael Borky. That was all he was doing on the KJ Wright interview. And wow. Yeah, sometimes you're like one question in and you're like, oh, wow, this guy's good. Yeah. And then it's like, had no, I mean, we went all over the place. Hey, by the way, the, the House Hunters episode's pretty, pretty funny. Yeah, you know, it's one of the deal where they look at three houses and they debate and decide, and then they go to commercial break and they ultimately come back and they they pick the house. But the the line at the end where he's like, "I guess I'll get over not having heated floors and heated toilet seats."
3: <laughs> so that was great. I loved uh, the word "rookiness" also. Brock Purdy's yes, rookie like is going to be his downfall. See,
2: here's your here's your. Uh, your text message of the day. Right now. I'm going to read it to you verbatim. C text line. Really, Richard? you got an all-SEC Mississippi State linebacker on your show, your show and you ask him about an Ole Miss player. So I expect next time you have A.J. Brown on your show, talk about Mississippi State players. You're such a homer. Uh, uh, okay, whatever. But honestly, I thought that might have been the best question that I asked him. And his response was better than I ever would have imagined. I was genuinely curious because he was talking about the San Francisco 49ers and he played in the same division with him and there was an overlap in his career. What one linebacker who played at a really high level in the NFL thought about another linebacker from the NFL that he played against at the same time? Did did you hear it? I was a little surprised, honestly, by his reaction. I thought he would say, "Yeah, probably." He was like, "Absolutely, first ballot Hall of Famer."
1: Game recognizes game. Yeah, it does. Uh-huh. It's as simple as that, you know. And, and, and you the know, best what? players don't hold any ill will. Yeah.
2: If we had DJ Jones on defensive lineman that played at Ole Miss in the NFL, I would ask him about Fletcher Cox. Chris Jones, I absolutely would, because it's relevant. But I'm a homer; it's fine. Um, man, that was a fun conversation.
1: Yeah. Good job, Michael. And good job, Richard. Good interview. You want to be part of the nothing. conversation? I you can. Uh,
2: you can join us on the C Spire text line at six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five C Spire. Has got great deals, and you can find out all about them on their website at ceasefire.com. You can always find a great deal if you're activating a new line or upgrading your service. Get the best devices, the newest devices, the hottest devices right here in Mississippi from Ceasefire. Let's uh let's stick with the NFL conversation for a few more minutes. See what KJ Wright said? What what, what was the, the rookiness? The rookiness luckiness
1: like. ruckivity.
2: um do you buy into that not that the stage is too big but just like there's a level of experience that doesn't exist and you got to go on the road he's right man Philadelphia they made it look easy last week against the Giants now the Giants were and, and I wanted the Giants to go far in the playoffs. They were probably the worst remaining team in the playoffs, given what they had done throughout the course of the season. And San Francisco is maybe the best remaining team in the playoffs. Philly's been really good, though. Really, really good. We'll make picks later in the week. Have you guys got a lean in this game?
3: I'm leaning with the
1: KJs. Yeah. It's, uh, the rookiness, I mean... There is going to be something about playing in an absolutely hostile... I mean, there's hostile environments, and then you're going to Philadelphia. There, there, there's, a, there's a different level of that. It's a difference between going to Mississippi State Ole Miss versus going to LSU. And there's there's a level to it. And that's going to be tough. The Philadelphia defense is hot right now, and they're, their defense that's built around rushing the passer. That's what they do best. So they're going to put a lot of pressure on Purdy. I feel like he's going to make a mistake, and that's when Darius Slay can pounce. Just... just I just don't feel good about the 49ers' chances in that environment.
2: It's come down to the 49ers' running game and not putting pressure on Brock Purdy yeah. to have to make plays. you got to put the ball his end, in his hands. They need
3: I mean, it, yeah. you, know, you know, people do the thing where, well, I always rag on him, but I love him to death. Peter Burst about how the college atmospheres are tougher than the NFL. It, it, in week two, maybe most places, like, you know, Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte is not a Hornets nest, right? No, uh, but it's not. But, but either is whatever you call Missouri Stadium on a Saturday at 11 a.m. You know, so it's it's kind of Faroe Field, Faro Field. Sure,
1: you don't just walk into Faroe Field on week two,
3: but that's gonna be deafening. Every snap, every fan, deafening for every single minute of that game unless the game has been decided before the clock hits zero. It's it's different. And Purdy played in some road games and stuff, but when it's stakes that he's never played in before in an atmosphere like that where every communication is gonna have to be signed. You can't he won't be able to verbally communicate anything really on Sunday. It's different. Nice weather by the way. Fifty degree mid fifties. For uh, as as you're high in Philly, just looked it up on
1: Sunday. Really? Yeah. Okay. Disappointing.
2: You know, I, I I somewhat agree with Peter, but there's also a difference in a college crowd and an NFL crowd in the makeup. that right? There is there is a significant part of your college crowd that is, especially in the SEC, that's going to a football game because it's an event. Right? Their fraternity's going, their sorority's going, they got a date. It's homecoming. It's their alma mater. their husband cares about it, their wife cares about it. their kids want to go. you know when you talk about an NFL stadium, for the most part, those fans are really, really invested. Yeah. It's different.
3: There's no student section, and there's also no big, wealthy donors that are wearing their, you know, I've got a collared shirt on right now. I'm not making fun. It's just the the collared shirt, you know, quarter zip wearing people in their khaki pants that, that don't make noise every second of every game.
1: Nobody's leaving at halftime of an NFL game to get back to the house to start, you know, partying. If you're, the party's in the stadium yeah. at the NFL. You, yeah. you're, you're there for, the four, for four quarters.
2: Yeah. And when you look at these two sites, Philadelphia and Kansas City... Yeah.
1: The most college-like atmospheres you've got in the NFL, yeah. probably.
2: I mean, outside of Green One's Bay. like
1: LSU, and the other one is, is like... The Dome is like yeah, think. Yeah, but that's like LSU, too. Yeah. I think Philadelphia is like LSU, and Kansas City is kind of like... Maybe like a, a, a Georgia or an Alabama. It's not, not not as big a stadium, but like those fans expect to win, kind of thing, and you can it's sort of feel Kansas it when you walk City's in. Cities like
2: Knoxville or the Swamp when they're good. Yeah,
1: the Swamp is you know, when they're good. Yeah, that's a good example.
3: Yeah, it, it, this isn't an insult either. It's just it's the truth. The NFL crowds are are more blue collar. They're they're more. Yeah. invested in the outcome of the game. I, I forget who it was. It was a former Steeler talking about their fans and like how much their fans meant to them. He said, he was comparing it to college. I would love to remember who this player was. But he said, the college people, He's like they're not spending every dollar to go to the game. He said, some people are. But every person, and of course this is an exaggeration, but he was like, every person at Heinz Field saved up just enough so they could buy tickets to go to Steelers games. That what we do on the field is their life. It is their only hobby. It is what they do. It is what they care about. They work their you-know-what's off all day long, and then they show up to the stadium on Sunday. It's it's a different kind of crowd. Now, of course, there's wealthy people that go to NFL games, too, and there's blue-collar people that go to college games, but there's a higher concentration of them. What does that mean? It means you're more apt to get every person emotionally, verbally invested in the environment. I've been to bad NFL environments, and I've been to insane ones. Just like college. Yeah.
2: It's going to be good. What about the English Chiefs? I mean, the, the 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 line for this game has been a yo-yo. Kansas City was, what, opened as a one-and-a-half point favorite? Or maybe it opened as pick And then Kansas City was favored, and then it went the other way to Cincinnati with the unknown about Patrick Mahomes' health. And then when he had his press conference yesterday and looked spry and young and excited, all of a sudden it yo-yoed back the other way. Kansas City right now one point favorite in this game. And Now we're just gonna like wait it out to see who's gonna oh. not talk.
1: Okay, I, I, I thought the, I thought the segment was over. More oh thoughts God, on kind that close when the we
2: come back. <laughs> Bengals and Chiefs in KC at GIHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Sports Talk
0: Mississippi. Ah-ha! Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteelapparel.com. That's where you find them on the web. It's menswear, and they've got fantastic stuff. Whether you're looking for golf shirts, pullovers, lightweight or a little bit heavier weight, or uh, outerwear, they got vests, they got coats, Pants, shorts, and the uh, spring stuff is on the way. They start coming in in the month of February, and they will be in the men's stores that you find all across the state of Mississippi that carry genteel places like Harry Meyer Clothing in Meridian, Landry's on the Square in Oxford, SF Allman in Gulfport, Smith & Company in Greenwood, Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia, and The Country Gentleman in Greenville. Again, some uh, end of the season savings online at Genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. So, I mentioned it before the break. The line in Cincinnati, Kansas City, the Bengals, the Chiefs, is yo yoed. Came out as a pick'em. went in the direction of the Bengals, has now gone back in the direction of the Chiefs, but still only about three points worth of movement in either direction. Currently, Kansas City a one-point favorite with a total of 47 in the game. Borky, we got the uh, the news that uh, Patrick Mahomes feels great. I don't know if he really feels great. He may not,
3: but he looked like he does. So, paint that scene for us for yesterday. So, everybody was waiting for the practice report to come out because in the NFL, you can't embellish. <clears throat> now, Brady kind of did with the Patriots, but technically it is very much against the rules to embellish injury. You get exactly what the injury is, what part of the body and all that, and a designation. Uh, didn't participate, limited participation or for full participation in practice. You get those every day of practice as well as their status for the game. So people are wanting to see when the Chiefs had a full practice, what did Patrick Mahomes do? comes out that he was a full participant. You cannot lie on those things. This is not college. You can't lie. You have got to be honest on those. There are checks and balances in place to make sure you don't lie. So he fully participated in practice, then met with the media, and when he was done with his press conference, got up out of the table and walked out of the room, nothing around his ankles, just wearing tennis shoes, all good, and very casually just got up and walked right out of the room as if there was nothing wrong. Now, I'm sure... There, there is, to some degree. It's a high ankle sprain. Those don't go away in a couple days. But he looked nimble on his feet, and he hasn't missed practice in any way.
2: Patrick Mahomes earlier today said, I thought I had a good day yesterday. Overall, probably better than I expected being able to go out there and throw the football and get in the work I needed to get in. He also said, I feel like I can still do a lot of things, but we'll see as we get closer and closer. We'll see during the game. You can't fully do exactly what it's going to be like in those moments in the game. All I can do is prepare myself the best way possible, and then when we get in the game, you hope adrenaline takes over and you can make those throws when you need to. Hmm. Mahomes communicates with Andy Reid and the offensive coaches about which plays from the game plan that he favors said that process this week would be more important. Obviously, this week it's going to be a little bit different. I'll give them a feel for how I feel about each and every play. If it's a play I think we can utilize or if it's a play that might not put me in the best position, I'll let them know that. You do that every week, but obviously this week it's a little more important to let them know what I'm comfortable with. I mean, take what you want to about him wearing... Tennis shoes and no ankle brace and no visible limp and all of those things. I think what he says there, he's not trying to convince you that it is a hundred percent. But if you do just a little bit of reading between the lines there, unless he's trying to present something that's not true, which you can do in a press conference setting. It's that yeah. injury report where it's got to be straight. In a press conference setting, you can you can leave some doubt. I wonder what it is that that maybe he wouldn't feel as comfortable with.
3: Yeah, that's the interesting one. I mean, there, there was that, and the camera work in these playoff games is unbelievable. They have, what, 100 cameras all around the field, and they get every angle you can think of. But there was the one in the second half where they do that little, that little quick throw where he just takes a snap. And does not move his legs and just throws it out to a receiver that's got soft coverage in front of him. And it's basically like a running play. It's five, six yards, misses a tackle, maybe get a first down. But he catches the snap and doesn't move his base, just throws the football. And that, you you saw it, he threw it into the dirt because he was trying to turn without turning his lower body, and it hurt, and like he picked his leg up and threw the ball into the dirt. So it was a throw like that that really limited him in the second half of that game where he could not execute that play. So it's it's going to be stuff like that that, I mean, Cincinnati's not going to know. Hell, Kansas City might not even know until they actually try it. But that was one that stood out to me in that game. That little quick out, he couldn't do it. And I don't think they called it again after that.
1: I just... Even if Mahomes was 100, even if he was 100 healthy, I just like Burrow in this game. I just, I just there's, I'm sold. You know, I was a, you know, you know, a few years ago when he was in college, I we had a big debate on the show about Joe Burrow, and I was like, not that good, not that impressive. Whoops. Well, That was then. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that was then. Presented this with new
2: information,
1: I'm changing my mind. So yeah, I mean, he's playing at an incredibly high level, and he just has the right. He, he walks that fine line between confidence and cockiness that great quarterbacks have to have, and so I'm 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 riding with the Bengals on this one.
2: You know who else? Thanks a lot of Joe Burrow. Hmm. Mike Hilton. He is the one that coined the term Burrowhead Stadium. Did it last week during the divisional round game against the Buffalo Bills. Said he knew that it would ruffle a few feathers when he uttered the phrase into an NFL Films camera last week, but it's evidence of Cincinnati's confidence. Mike Hilton said, quote, that's just our locker room, man. That's just who we are. we got a whole bunch of guys that love playing with each other. Asked about stirring the pot. He said it might have
3: stirred a few pots, but it is what it is. and I've seen and heard a lot of that today where Lock bulletin board material. Would you shut up with the bulletin board material?
4: It's, the, it's the
3: AFC championship game. You think the Chiefs aren't going to be motivated? Here, we'll use the local example. Willie Gay today, I think it was this morning, said that nothing about the Cincinnati offense impresses him. And people, oh, that was stupid. That's not going to age well. Do you think that's going to make Burrow play differently? you think that's going to make them call plays differently because Willie Gay said that he's not impressed? Of course he's impressed. He's a linebacker. He's got to have that attitude, and it's going to change nothing about the outcome. That drives me nuts. I love stuff like this. I love Mike Hilton. I love Willie Gay. Please say more things like that. It's awesome. It just builds and builds to this game, and one of those one of those guys is going to lose, and and they're going to be mocked and made fun of. Well, And then there's Eli Apple. I mean, he's just a clown. But this stuff is good. Eli Apple, I can't wait to watch him get beat deep multiple times in this game. (laughs) Willie Gay, Mike Hilton, I love that stuff. Turn football into a little bit of wrestling. Give me some of this. It's not changing the outcome of the game. So why not spice it up a little bit? So Eli Apple did what? Oh, I mean, it's a day that ends in why. He did something stupid, but uh, especially uh, recently, he <laughs> was uh, the,
2: so the video clip of Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen on the
3: sideline. He posted with the "someone get them in couples therapy." Did, was that the one where he did the the heart hands that Demar Hamlin's been doing since he? Is that no, that one? I, uh, I don't think I saw that one. Yeah. And, and Eli Apple's like that guy, and you listening may have been that guy. I I've was that guy once in a journalism project where I got an A, and the, the rest of the group got Bs and Cs on the project where I did nothing. That is Eli Apple. He is the guy in the group project that that does nothing, and he just stands there with the rest of the group on presentation day, where he contributed nothing, he reads off the board because he didn't write a single word of it, and then he gets an A, and he flexes on everybody in the class about how good of a job he did. <laughs> That's Eli Apple. He stinks, and yet he is the cockiest, most arrogant, loudmouthed person on the field, when it's everybody else around him that is causing them to win, and not him.
2: Yes. Yeah, not great. Not great. Shaq Lawson told Eli Apple he better keep it on the field. He said, "You played a good game, Eli Apple, but disrespect my boy Hamlin's island situation, and that bleep will get you beat up." FRFR. FR. The Put league clearly real.
3: hates that guy, and yes, and he said, for real, keep for real. It on the field.
2: Yeah. We'll be back Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, let's go to the junction in the grove and to the top. Don't
0: hurt yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Right, so no Sean
3: Payton to the Dallas Cowboys? Is so that what we have uh, decided is the case? Yeah, and Dan Quinn told the team that he's returning as defensive coordinator, pulled his name out of the search in Indianapolis and in Arizona and Denver.
1: Are we not I- going to run it back graphic or something? I mean, you know, what are we doing here?
3: Well, they have fired five assistant coaches. Which tells you that head coach is sticking around.
2: Yes, yeah. That's exactly. Skip Pete, the running back's coach, and uh, George Edwards, the linebacker coach. That was reported by Mike Garofalo from NFL Network. And then you also had, um, I guess, Todd Archer from ESPN reporting that, oh, let's see here, assistant head coach Rob Davis is out, defensive line coach Leon Lett is out, offensive line coach Joe Philbin is out. So five coaches out. Defensive coordinator returning. They're going to kind of run it back. I mean, I was reading that story closely
3: to see if Kellen Moore had been relieved of his duties. But well, no. I wonder if one of the guys in that group is the one that drew up the Ezekiel Elliott at center play. Because that's a fireball offense. It should be. Well, I mean, why would one of those guys
2: be drawing up that play? Good point. I mean, wouldn't it be the head coach, the offensive coordinator, who's drawing up the play that you're going to run with three seconds left on the clock down seven? Where you go with a formation where your running back is the center, there are no more offensive linemen, and you throw a five-yard pass, an eight-yard pass,
3: with nobody to pitch it to?
2: Yeah. And I don't know if maybe the play design was supposed to be that uh, after Ezekiel Elliott snapped it, he was going to run out there and be the guy getting the pitch man, but instead he got pancake blocked. Go figure. A guy that doesn't snap the ball and block on the offensive line is not really suited to take on defensive linemen in the NFL who are in bull rush mode. After snapping the football for the first time in his career.
3: Just saying. (laughs) All right, well, good for the Cowboys. Yeah, not good for the Saints, though. We we need some competition. So Carolina hired their guy, which Peyton to Carolina was never going to happen. I I don't think the Saints were going to let that happen. Their asking price was too high. But apparently, reportedly earlier, that uh, his – Did you say Frank Reich? I did not. Yeah, the Colts head coach, former Colts head coach, is back. Quickly back. And he's going to be... We'll see who his quarterback is. But anyway. Apparently, Sean Payton, in his second interview with Denver, created a point of contention. Didn't like one of the members of the ownership group's vision or possible inability to give him complete control. Apparently Peyton expressed that he was concerned about a possible butting of heads in their future, and Denver might be moving on as a result. Hmm. So now that leaves Arizona and Houston, I suppose. Doesn't sound like Houston's going down the road with him. Need those draft picks, or a draft pick, and Arizona's is really attractive. Apparently he's talking to them today. Hope it happens, but there's less optimism around him getting a job and the Saints getting a pick, at least a pick back this cycle. They could do it all again next year, but for this cycle may not happen. Isn't it
2: isn't it interesting to look at Sean Payton and the way he's approaching this also? I mean, this is a guy who is in the ultimate position of leverage. One I don't have to work, and I'm okay with not working. Two, if I work for you, I'm the boss, even though you're signing the paychecks. And, oh, by the way, three, the paycheck you signed for me is going to be massive. Like, nobody that's ever coached in the NFL is going to have had as big a paycheck as the one you're going to write to me. Wait, wait, you, you got a problem with, with any of that? Let's return to number one. I'm okay with not coaching. You're the one that wants me. Remember? What a position to be in. I mean, what a position to be in. And Sean Payton also smart enough to know not to put himself into a situation where he's not going to succeed yeah. or where he doesn't believe he can succeed. I mean, like he knows how to build a roster. He knows how to coach an offense. He knows how to bring along a quarterback. And if there's going to be any pushback on doing it the way that he knows how to do it, he's like, I'm good.
3: Which makes you wonder? Uh, people have talked about how he wants to to win at multiple places for legacy purposes. That it wasn't so much about New Orleans as it was that whatever um, he had complete and total autonomy and control and ownership support and GM support with anything he did in New Orleans. Wonder if he's kind of and learning just happened that it doesn't to have really a great
2: working way. relationship with his GM Mickey Loomis. Like they saw things the same way. Yeah, they're apparently, like, really, really tight friends. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour coming up. We'll start things off with the college football fix. Hopefully we'll visit with Ryan Brown from the next round in Birmingham.
0: Hey, guys. What's happening? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi
2: five o'clock hour on this thursday the 26th of january thank you for being with us Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18 hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. I told you several times. Clubhouse renovation going on right now. They are going to be ready to roll with the new clubhouse by mid to late March. Going to be spectacular. Looking forward to being over there soon. We'll be over there for the, uh, the Friday uh, opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. And then uh, back in April, leading into the Masters as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to that. You can uh, take it in as well. Book your tea time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com and plan your trip there. And if you uh, don't want to do it online, just give them a call at dancingrabbitgolf. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad, you want to be a part of the conversation? We'd love for you to join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879. Four three nine five. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, backed by world class IT professionals who live where you do, which is here, right here in C Spire Country. Check them out online at cspire.com/business. Let's do it. Time right now for the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. You can test drive the Ford F-150. F-Series trucks, best-selling trucks in America, 46 straight years. Hey, Dan, I'm curious about something. What is the level of wealth one must attain to not realize that they have been overpaid by a million dollars.
1: How much? This is like a do question y- I should be asking you.
2: Well, let me just tell you, I don't know that level of wealth.
1: <laughs> I, do I not. would notice that in my bank account. I would. I would. I would be very aware if I just woke up one morning and be like, "Honey, uh, did you get a bonus? What's going on here?"
2: Brian Kelly signed one of the biggest contracts in college football history, but. He was given even more inadvertently by LSU. So Brian Kelly gets paid into at least two different accounts. There's the Brian Kelly checking account, I assume. Maybe it's set up in a different way. But his normal deposit goes into one account, and then he also has an an LLC, a business account, where some amount of money goes into that as well. When he signed the massive 10 year 95 million contract, he originally organized for his payments to go straight into his bank account. But in May of last year, he reached an employment and license IP agreement with LSU to have the payments delivered directly to an LLC in his name. However, unfortunately for the school, someone forgot to turn off the original direct payments. He was paid twice across the months of May and June before LSU noticed the discrepancy in November. Now, they are not asking Brian Kelly to pay back the more than $1 million as a lump sum. He does not have to write them a seven-figure check. LSU and his LLC have agreed to a reduced payment schedule that will dock his pay slightly, until the amount is recouped at the end of this year, 2023. LSU will get its money over the course of the next year, and probably not many people, this story at CBS Sports writes, are that angry with Kelly for the error, especially given the fact that they went to the SEC championship game and were really good this year. So, that's one of those stories that amounts to nothing,
3: other than well it's a feel good story honestly i mean think about this it, change always starts with something small right if if you if you're on a weight loss journey for example you're not going to be able to run 5 miles a day right away you got to do a walk around the block first and slowly build build your way up to that if you're going to start saving money you can't just drop $5,000 in your bank account. You know, you got to start small. Five bucks a month there every couple weeks, and then you save a little more, and you can start pulling more to your paychecks. It, it always it takes one step. Well, LSU, remember, this is the same LSU that used a children's hospital charity to pay football player, players and recruits. So the fact that the money is just accidentally going to their football coach is a really positive step in the, the right direction. Maybe change is possible even at deeply corrupt places like LSU. It was the Louisiana Legislative Auditor's Office that uh,
2: discovered the overpayment.
3: I wonder, I mean, I was... wonder if the, the LSU or the Louisiana Auditor discovered the children's hospital charity that they were using to funnel money to recruits. I, where were you on that one, Chief? Well, he wasn't overseeing that account. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Different buckets of money. <laughs> Don't have oversight over everything. Yeah, anyway. No, I just, you know, took a couple of, I mean, I wonder if somebody, Brian Kelly or his wife or somebody that works for him was like, hey, uh, this looks like a little extra.
1: Should we tell anybody? It had nah. was an accountant or something. There's nobody. No way his wife was like that. No way. She's just like, he must have got it. I mean, if you're a coach and you have all these bonuses wired into your contract, you might have just thought, maybe I triggered a bonus that I, I didn't think about. You know? Yeah. It's very possible.
2: Or it's possible that when your salary is $9.5 million, you don't actually yeah. look at your bank statement. You don't check your yeah. account. There's no reason to. The I don't check mean, is going to clear. That, it. The charge is going to go through.
1: It's not like this is his first year making this kind of money. You know, he's been making big coach money for years. So he's got millions in the bank. What's an extra, you know? I mean, honestly, let's think about the average person, right? What's an extra hundred bucks in the bank to you? Like, would you really notice it? Be like, doesn't look right, but whatever. That's what a million is to a guy who has 40, 50 mil sitting in the bank, which is probably close to what he has.
2: Yeah, he's made a ton of money, and I mean, my guess would be that that money gets directed in lots of different places, into retirement accounts, into investment accounts, and obviously he's got somebody that's smart that decided to set up an LLC because there were probably some tax benefits to doing that, or maybe it protected more of the money. Who knows what the rationale is? But the point is, you're probably not pulling up your online banking every day to make sure that you can afford to buy groceries.
3: Yeah, Brian Kelly doesn't have an acorns account. I-, I wouldn't imagine. You don't think he's he's playing around with Robin Hood on the side? Well, he might. Wouldn't be surprised if if these guys are very irresponsible
1: He was a big part traders. of the uh he was a big part of the GameStop short, you know, the yeah. uh he he was one of the guys leading that.
3: Yeah. Maybe. Whenever I get money, I'm gonna. There's apps and websites and stuff that track uh, Nancy Pelosi stock tradings. When, whenever I get enough money to to get a Robinhood account again, that's where I'm going. Shout out Nancy; she's gonna get me rich. I can have the double refrigerators, just like
1: she does. You have double the heated uh, bathroom floors.
3: She she took a video. I think it was right after COVID like started, where she was talking about they. It was something about, you know, my guilty pleasure or whatever, and she had ice cream, like, on her kitchen counter, and behind her were dual, like, $40,000 each, like, refrigerators. (laughs) Like, the most tone-deaf thing you can imagine. Uh, Yeah.
1: The American Congress, representatives of the people. Mm -hmm. For sure. Maybe
3: maybe one side was a refrigerator and the other was a freezer. I wouldn't be surprised. It's like that time... Uh, my wife showed me this video a long time ago of, of Kim Kardashian. I, I must be be living right yeah good good on you walking through her uh, pantry which she totally doesn't touch ever but it is gigantic I mean it's the size of a bedroom and everything was taken out of its package and put into a clear container there was not a box there was not a bag there was nothing it was exclusively clear containers. With stuff in them, everything else, and organized beautifully. Again, she hadn't touched the place. Probably has not opened a Two container things. ever, but.
1: Two things. This is a woman who I guarantee tells people about the environment. Oh, no doubt. But she's, you know, got to have an extra container for stuff that comes in a container. And then, secondly, do you think if, if I told Kim Kardashian, make me uh, a steak medium rare, some scrambled eggs, and of uh, uh, two pieces of fried chicken, or you're going to lose every cent you have. Do you think she could do it?
2: I mean, how hard a judge are you going to be on medium rare versus medium?
1: I'm going to be. There's, there's millions at stake. I'm going to be a hard. I'm going to be a hard judge on that. But I'm going to check its temperature when she when she hands it to me.
3: There might be a B. Ilions at stake there.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm I not even worried about the steak. There's no way she could make the front. No, chicken.
2: it's not Kim Kardashian that's got that much. I think it's Khloe Kardashian. It's the uh, uh, the self-made I billionaire. See. Yeah, self-made. 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 Okay. I can't believe what I'm
0: hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: I mean, I had to do more work on Google than I intended to to make sure that I got this. So, so Kylie Jenner is the Kardashian kid that's a billionaire, self made. Um, she is the daughter of Bruce slash Caitlin Jenner and Chris Jenner, who was Chris Kardashian before she was Jenner.
1: Stunning and brave.
2: But she and Chris and Caitlyn divorced in 2015. Was that when Bruce became Caitlyn that they divorced? I don't... Clearly, I'm not keeping up with the Kardashians.
1: Yes. That's a good thing, though. You you see what I did there? I, I did. I did. It was good.
3: got in an argument that ultimately ended the relationship with a girl that I was casually dating in college because uh, she wanted to spend all Sunday watching the Kardashians. And I said, I would rather jump off of a five-story building. And that, like three days later, that was
1: it. And that was the the thing I said, the catalyst
3: for the breakup. You, That's what started
1: you it. Made the right to, that, that you made the right, the correct decision. You're just You're not right. interested
3: in anything I'm interested in. It's like, yeah, you hate sports too, but I put up with it. Hmm. So, yeah, definitely not the one that got away. (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
2: All right. So uh, we have had a slight change of plans on our countdown of 25 teams in 25 days. We were planning... Today to talk about the Kentucky Wildcats, but Nick Minjione has agreed to do an interview with us to talk about Kentucky baseball, but they practice during the time that we're on the air, so it's going to have to be a pre-recorded interview, so we're working on the scheduling of that, but we will still carry on with 25 teams in 25 days.
1: Mississippi State, the national champions. 1-2 pitch. Struck him out. From last four in to last team standing. Ole Miss has won the College
3: World Series. Opening day is right around the corner, so we're counting it down. Here's 25 teams in 25 days. Today on The Countdown,
2: we go to Michael Borke's home state of South Carolina to talk about the South Carolina Gamecocks, a once-proud program that has not had the same level of success in recent years that Gamecock fans expect. How much longer will they put up with that? Mark Kingston is the head coach. There are a lot of people that thought that South Carolina was going to move on, that they were going to make a change after last season. They did not do that. Mark Kingston got the opportunity to continue the program. South Carolina plays an absolutely gorgeous ballpark. Founders Park It's right there on the river in Columbia. Great setup, and it was built on the heels of the national championship with so much momentum. And they got to try and regain that momentum. Porky, try to help us understand, because it is indeed your home state, the level of interest and a level of passion for college baseball in South Carolina?
3: Similar to here. Not, not to the point that it is here, but when you talk about what other places are like Mississippi in terms of care of college baseball, it's Louisiana, Arkansas, and then South Carolina. Uh, haven't exactly had the biggest home environments lately because the teams have been so bad, but that is a sport they care about. It's a sport they pay attention to. It's one that they, despite local media not covering it the way that it should be, uh, it's one they want to hear about. It's they, they care. They truly care, and there's not many states that can say that, but that is definitely, definitely one. Facility's great. It's got a minor league ballpark feel to it. I'm, I think both of you guys have been there. It, it feels very cookie-cutter minor league, but it's nice, and it's got a lot of seats, and... They, they, they truly care. It's just the results haven't matched that. Used to play at Sarge Fry. It was an absolute crackerjack box. And they hit bombs there, yeah. and they had a
2: ton of guys that could absolutely rake when Ray Tanner was their head coach. They won back-to-back national championships in 2010 and 2011. I think what people forget is that they were also the World Series runner-up in 2012. They had a chance to three-peat in 10, 11, and 12, came up short in that 2012 year. Ray Tanner is the guy that put South Carolina baseball on the map. Now, there had been College World Series appearances prior to Ray Tanner. They had been five times in their program's history. But when he took over in 1997 and was the head coach through 2012, they became regulars in Omaha. They went in 02, 03, 04, and then 10, 11, and 12. So they had two different runs of three straight trips to the College World Series, he hung it up and became the athletics director following the 2012 see, uh, season and brought his baseball coaching tenure to a, an end. But since then, it was Chad Holbrook from 2013 to 2017 and now Mark Kingston from 2018 to, uh, to to present. And things have not gotten any easier in the SEC over the last few years. When you look at Mark Kingston's tenure – in his first season, they went thirty-seven and twenty-six, and host. Uh, no, they did not host. They they went on the road for a regional to Greenville, and they won it, and then they lost in the Fayetteville Super Regional. Twenty nineteen, they did not make the tournament. Twenty twenty, there was not a postseason. Twenty twenty one, they hosted in Columbia, but am I remembering correctly that that was as a two seed? Were they the rare exception it where they Old hosted? Was Old Dominion it?
1: that was the host? was Old Dominion. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is correct. Yes.
2: So they hosted in Columbia in 2021, but as a two-seed. And then last year, once again, they finished the year one game below 500 at 27 and 28. They were 13 and 17 in league play, and they missed the NCAA tournament. I mean, is there any doubt that this year... Determines Mark Kingston's future at South Carolina, given no the doubt. expectation there.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent.
2: It's what they got to do. So this South Carolina baseball team, when you uh, you look at their schedule, they're, they're always going to play Clemson in state rivalry. They play that. That's a fun way they do that. They play one game at Clemson, they play one game in Greenville, and they play one game in Columbia. South Carolina will start the season with uh, UMass Lowell. Winthrop, Queens, Queens College, okay, University of Pennsylvania, and then they get to that three-game series with Clemson right before they start SEC play. I take that back. There's a Good grief. I mean, South Carolina has as weak of a non-conference schedule this year as I've ever seen them play. I mean, South Carolina, when they roll into league play after – what four weeks? So that's twelve on the weekends and two foot eight. What say they play eighteen games, nineteen games before SEC play starts? They better be seventeen and two. With a schedule that includes UMass Lowell, Winthrop, Queens, Pennsylvania, North Carolina A and three games against Clemson, the Citadel, USC, Upstate, and Bethune Cookman. Oh, and Presbyterian College. Yes. That's gross.
3: Ugh. What do you expect to get out of that?
2: A bunch of wins. Wins. You better not. Well, better not lose them. Yeah.
1: Not going to do a if whole lot. of games in there, if you lose four games in there, you're not hosting. Doesn't matter they, what you do in
2: conference. In terms of against Mississippi schools, South Carolina hosts Mississippi State the last weekend of March. They do not have Ole Miss on the schedule this year. close out the regular season with Tennessee, got to make a road trip to Arkansas, got to go to Kentucky, got to go to Vanderbilt. They got LSU at their place. So, you know, we'll see about this South Carolina team.
1: You're right, though. I mean, there was a time a decade ago at this time, that was the best program in the conference. Better than LSU, better than State and Ole Miss, better than Florida. They were number one and when Ray Tanner left or stopped coaching it just went straight down
2: almost immediately yeah so again you look at Ray Tanner from 1997 these are their season win totals i don't want to bore you with this 33 44 35, 56, 49, 57, 45, 53, 41, 41, 46, 40, 40, 54, 55, 49. That's ridiculous. That's what they were, not what they've been since. In fact, since Ray Tanner left, there have been only one, two, three seasons where South Carolina has won more than 40 games. Sports Talk, Mississippi, streaming at SuperTalk.fm and SuperTalk TV.
1: Can you feel it?
0: Can you hear it? Sports Talk, Mississippi. Yeah! On SuperTalk, Mississippi.
2: Bowen in Indianola. We we're talking about. Hey, hang
3: on, hey Dad. No, no, no. This is this is actually a reasonable conversation. Now, Bo's being a jerk. He told me to go home to South Carolina, uh, so we we can just we can not talk about Bo.
2: Um. He asked, "Did South Carolina win three championships in a row?" No. If you were listening, it was two, and they finished runner up in a third year. And he said is he the best college baseball coach of all time? I said no and he said who is? I gave him a list of Skip Bertman, Augie Garrido, Ron Dedo, uh, Dido, DEDEAUX, Pat Casey, Mike Martin, Jim Morris. And he said you got to put Mike on there. My response to that was Mike would have to coach 10 to 15 more years, average 40 wins a year with four more trips to Omaha and at least one more title to be on that list. He's got 954 career wins. If he coached 10 more years at an average of 40 wins, that would get him to 1,300 career wins. And if you added four more trips to Omaha, that'd be six trips to Omaha. And if you gave him one more title, that'd give him two national titles. And then... I would say yes, you could put him on a list of 5 to 8 of the greatest college baseball coaches of all time. Now Mike Martin does not have a national championship, but he won over 2000 games in 40 years at Florida State. Augie Won, how many? What what are you what, what what are you doing? I hey, just
1: on. feel like there's a name that's not on your list. Yeah, Ron Polk,
2: 1373 wins. Multiple trips to the College You can put Mike Martin
1: on there, but not Ron Polk. He's
2: got 700 more wins than Ron Polk. I mean, I could argue that you could take Mike Martin's name off the list because he didn't have a national championship.
1: That's what I'm saying. If you're going to put a coach without a national title on there, Ron Polk needs to be mentioned.
2: Of course, Ron Polk revolution, I've never, ever, ever slighted Ron Polk of anything. You just did. You just slighted him right there. I put a guy on the list who had 700 career wins more than Ron Polk had. And even then put an asterisk beside him. If
1: nobody says who the, the top college baseball coaches of all time are, Ron Polk is in the conversation. He's on the first list of names you bring up. With that group of names, you put Ron Polk in that group. Yes. Why? Why he he basically made it a sport. It was nothing before Ron Polk came to Mississippi State. The only people the only people who cared about were Southern Cal.
2: His question was greatest of all time. Oh. Skip Bertman okay. has five national championships. Augie's got 3 I didn't say he's Rodney's got the number like one. seven. Pat I'm Casey's not saying he's number three. one, but Jim Morris has I'm got not two saying at that he's Miami. number one
1: And Mike Martin has
2: zero, but you put him on the list. He has 2,000 wins. 2,000! 2, That's an average wins, of 50 wins seasons a year for versus 40 Paul? years. 40 years. How many seasons compared to Ron Polk? Okay, give me just a second. Polk coached 35 years. So five more years. I'll put Ron Polk on that list. It's, it's fine. I, I'm fine with that. I mean, that. I
1: can't believe you didn't say Ron Polk. I'm literally in shock.
2: When I was going greatest of yes. all time, the qualifier I was using was national championships, the one exception being the guy who has won more games than anybody who has ever coached mm-hmm. the college game. That was the only exception.
1: Mm. Mm. But
2: look, if it'll make you happier, I'll put Ron Polk on the list. It's got nothing to do with making me happy. It's just he belongs on the
3: list. Okay. Well, but but the list of what? Because the question was greatest coach of all time. He said, "Is th- this started with Bo and Indianola, your best friend, asking
2: if Ray Tanner you know, was the Mike best B- coach Aiken of all time?" Right? And the answer was clearly no. He's not. No. So in trying to answer a group of guys who would be considered the best of all time. I included the guy who has won more games than anybody who's ever coached at the college level, and then a bunch of guys with multiple national championships. That was the list. I feel like if that's... you want me to add Ron Polk to that list, I'm happy to do so. He, he took, what, Georgia Southern, Mississippi State, and Georgia all to the, the College World Series. How many total yes. trips? How many? Eight times? I <laughs> 23 NCAA uh, tournaments and eight College World Series trips. Yeah. Five SEC championships, five SEC
3: tournament championships. Okay. that That is not the resume of the greatest of all time.
1: Nobody said it was the greatest. But that, the
3: was the, greatest. that was, that was the, question. the question.
2: The question was who is but the greatest you, of all time, and I gave him a list of names to choose from. I, I I don't think you can say there is a singular person who is the greatest college baseball coach of all time.
1: I just can't believe Ron Polk didn't make the first cut for you. I cannot. Living in this state, I can't believe that that happened. I am really surprised. Hey, Dad, you.
2: I think Ron Polk gets credit for revolutionizing college baseball, especially in the SEC. What we have in the SEC today is a direct result of what Ron Polk did. He may have done more for college baseball than anybody who has ever coached the game. But the question is, who's the greatest coach of all time? And so I deferred to guys that had multiple national championships and the guy who won 2,000 games.
3: I'm just saying. I think we've got an Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods situation on our hands. Arnold Palmer is not, by any argument, the greatest golfer to ever live. It's Tiger Woods. It's Jack Nicholas. They won more. But Palmer's got the cachet, at least did, more than those two guys did. I'm not
2: questioning that Ron Polk was a great college baseball coach. It's not even up for debate. And I just told you, I think he has perhaps done more for college baseball than anybody who has ever coached the game but if you're saying, hey, Richard, make me a list of the greatest college baseball coaches of all time, he's not in, I mean, is it 10 on a top 10 list?
1: This is how I know I'm right. The only person who seems to be agreeing with you on the text line is Bowen Indianola. Give
2: me a reason why he should be on that list.
1: I mean, you said four, close to 1,400 wins, eight Omaha trips, five, six conference titles between state and Georgia. I mean, the, the resume is good. It's good enough. Yes, it's good enough. It's not
2: greatest of all time enough, though.
1: I'm just saying. The fact that you're No, you
2: you, no, you can't. You, your coaches. argument can't be, I'm just saying. When we're talking about the you best listed, to ever do it, you listed six it.
1: coaches, and Ron Polk doesn't get doesn't get a nod. I just got find that hard to believe. What, what, what's hard
2: to believe that I'm using national? I mean, Augie Garrido won didn't. five you national, national champion, titles, except but for Mike didn't. Martin. He won seven hundred more games than Ron Polk. Seven hundred. Okay. That's a great career if you win seven hundred as a head baseball coach in college.
1: How many uh, How many national titles came out of the ACC in that time frame when Ron was frame. playing against LSU in the time frame that Mike Martin coached at, at Florida State? How many ACC? Miami wasn't titles? in the ACC back then.
2: I don't know. So yeah, and, and I'm I'm not I'm not like dodging your question. I, uh, Ron Dito is the answer. He won 11 national championships. Now you can say the era. That's probably correct. Is, you you know said you were
1: gonna. If you wanted me to pick number one, sure. He's probably that guy. I'm just surprised that a person from Mississippi, when asked to to roll off the greatest college baseball coaches of all time, doesn't throw Ron Polk out there. I'm just surprised by that.
2: I, I, I thought about putting him there. Well, put him there. Let me ask you this: Would it make more sense mm-hmm. to you to add Ron Polk to that list of names that I gave you, or to just remove Mike Martin?
1: Which which makes more sense? That that and that's. I'll say this: If I would looked at your list and I was like national title, national title, and when I got to Mike Martin, I was like no.
2: But but it, it's If not... you're going to
1: have a coach in there with no national title. Then Ron Polk needs to be in the group. If you want to go just, if it has got to have a national title to be in the discussion, Ron Polk's not in there. I get it. So I went Augie,
2: who's got five, Dito, who's got 11, Pat Casey, who's got three, Jim Morris has got two, Burtman's got five. I may be missing somebody that's got two in there that should be on the list. But, man, 2,000 wins just jumped off the page at me as being different. We'll get some of your uh, responses on the ceasefire text line when we come back. 601 879 4395. This is Sports Talk, Mississippi.
0: Hey, what we do next?
1: Keep it moving, buddy! You
0: can be a part of Sports Talk, Mississippi. 888 808 8637. On Super Talk, Mississippi, like the legend of the Phoenix. Huh.
1: You left off Cliff Gustafson, too. What keeps the planet Two national titles, seventeen well, college logic, world series. Well, by your logic, Dave
2: Van Horn should be on the list in front of Ron Polk. Nah, he's six wins behind Ron Polk, I mean, and he's been to more college world series. But let's which, just
1: with, you, you, let's no. just use our brains here for a minute. Let's yeah. just use our brains. We're not, well, I, I, we're not I, even but, talking but you've about numbers. Do that also, I mean, are we gonna are we gonna sit here and say for one second of our lives that any coach had a greater impact on the sport of college baseball? Now, it'd be one thing if he had done all that and been a loser. But he won 1,400 games. He went to eight College World Series. He won all these conference championships. The resume speaks for itself. I shouldn't have to defend this. It's incredible that I do. You're not listening to what I'm saying. And all you had to do was not put Mike Martin on that list. If you had not put Mike Martin, we wouldn't be having this discussion. I don't know what we would have talked about in the last segment, but... When you put a coach that doesn't have a national title in there, and I agree with what somebody said on the text line, the last ten years of Mike Martin's career, he was the head coach, and I use the quotes there. He wasn't doing anything, just sitting in the dugout collecting a paycheck. For you to you, you can't put a coach that doesn't have a national title on there and not put Ron Polk. He just can't. He can't. I won't allow it. One, two,
2: three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen college world series appearances and two thousand career wins. Eighteen! Great! How do you argue you beat that that's up on not a win- one of the
1: greatest of all time? That's fine. If you want to put him on the list, that's fine. But Ron Polk goes on that list, too. Now, if you and want to just say national titles... He does, titles, it. He does nah, it with, I just, with that group. Disagree. Then why isn't Cliff Gustafson in there? Two national titles and 17 College World Series appearances.
2: I told you I probably left somebody off that I didn't realize. So, okay, well, that's, I, that's, that's, forgive me for not knowing Cliff Gustafson. Who, who was who the guy at, at Texas from 68 Who to was the
1: 96. guy at Wichita State?
2: Gene Stevenson. You made an argument for Gene Stevenson. Yeah. Just a bad Bad list. But but I'm not telling you that I think Gene Stevenson is the greatest of all time. And I'm not giving Mike Martin the the title of greatest of all time. I, I don't understand why you we can't separate the two things that I can say to you I think Ron Polk. I believe Ron Polk did more for college baseball, college baseball, not Mississippi State baseball, college baseball than anybody I agree. who has ever coached the game. But Right. I do that does not automatically make him one of the greatest coaches of all time.
1: That plus his resume does. <laughs> okay. We have to agree to disagree, because we only got three minutes left in the show. But I just disagree.
2: And it's fine. It's fine for you to disagree. We don't have to agree on everything. We agree a lot. We disagree a fair amount. Sometimes. Oh, Hunter and Columbus, if Polk built SEC baseball as you know it today at Ole Miss, he would be on the list. Dick's list.
1: Okay. It's a true story. You probably list Johnny Vaught as one of the great college football coaches. No chance.
2: Yeah, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> I like I, for, forgive uh. me. Like I intended to read a bunch of your messages here, but there are so many, like fifty in five minutes that there's no way to. Oh, somebody said, call Coach Polk and ask him for his top ten.
1: I don't have the flip phone number. Okay.
2: Jason says, my heart says Ron Polk. My brain has questions. Um, There are a lot of people that said that was great radio. There are some people that said, I hurt your feelings. It was great. I said, I'm a state grad. I agree with Richard. Polk did more for college baseball than he did for Mississippi State baseball. It's from Eddie and Grenada. And there are a lot of people that thought I was completely yeah. stupid. Yeah. There were several people that pointed I don't think out who, who on that list took three different schools to Omaha. It's a great point. You didn't like it when I said your logic says that Dave Van Horn should also be on the list.
1: Well, I don't agree with that. I mean, just just think. He's six wins shy of Ron
2: Polk for his career Doesn't in matter. three fewer seasons with more trips to the College World Series.
1: Yeah, very forgettable at the end of the day. i remember more that he choked in that Super Regional two years ago. What? I said,
2: that pop fly that dropped is not very forgettable.
1: I wouldn't, I'll remember that. But I'm, I, if you tell me Dave Van Horn, the first thing that pops in my mouth is that, two, that 2021 team getting knocked out of the Super Regional. First thing I think of.
2: Well, that was a fun way to finish it. What are we, 21 days? 22 days from the start of college baseball
1: season? we got to do three teams on Monday. Ooh, that'll be fun.
2: Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. Good night.